Well, we've been telling you there are some habits for spiritual renewal. It includes renewing the mind. Say that with me, renewing the mind. mind. Say refreshing the heart. heart. And say reconnecting to church. Uh, These are things that you do that will keep you in a place of renewal. But what we want to know is what does that look like exactly? Uh, How many can tell when things aren't quite right with you and the Lord? You raise your hand. Okay. This is designed to give you kind of a checklist so you can look at it and see, you know, are there some warning lights going off? You know, if something goes wrong with your car, how many glad for those warning lights? Especially if there's an oil light. Amen. Uh, y'all remember when there used to be a, uh, I think it was a good year. Wasn't it a good year here south of town? Is that right? You guys have been here for a long time. And I just went in there, minding my own business, uh, getting ready to drive to Springfield, Missouri, and uh, got an oil change. And I'm going down Highway 121. I look up and there's this trail behind me. And they failed to put the plug back in after putting the new filter in and putting the oil in. And and fortunately, I I caught it there. There I am sitting there about 6 o'clock in the morning trying to figure this thing out. Uh, It it really pays to pay attention, doesn't it, church? And I don't know about you, but that's one thing to have the oil run out of your engine, to have the oil of God run out of your life and you not pay attention to it has far more consequences than just locking up an engine. Amen? Um, A locked up spiritual life is a terrible thing. Say it with me. It's terrible. You want to be free and flowing and growing and green. Amen? So I want to go back to these scriptures in Lamentations 3.22. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For His compassions never fail. They're new every 10 years without fail. They're new what? Every morning. What's the expectation then for renewal? Every day. Uh, during a new revival, when Sunday rolls around, the expectations is you'll have daily renewal because there's daily mercy and there's grace for that for you and for me. Lamentations, he cries out and says in verse five, chapter 5, 21, Restore to us yourself, Lord, that we may return, renew our days as of old, and Paul continues to speak today through the Word of God, 2 Corinthians 4.16, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Turn to somebody and say, I'm not losing heart. But though the outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed. Every time is a revival service. Amen? Only when the pastor preaches good. Only when there's a great worship service. Now when? Every day. So let's just think about if, if I'm supposed to be renewed every day, uh, then whose responsibility would that be to make sure that happens? You, amen, and you in cooperation with the Lord that you serve, amen. Renewal means to make like new, to restore to freshness, to vigor or perfection. Say it boldly, I'm being renewed, I'm being renewed. day by day. I'm finding renewed strength every day. In Him. And so here are the markers. You're going to write these down and we'll deal with the last several ones tonight. But first of all, uh, your heart's renewed if you've been waiting on the Lord. Uh, If you're not waiting on the Lord, it's going to be impossible to renew your strength. There's nothing else you can do that will renew yourself in your walk with God. Amen. Like waiting on Him. Getting into His presence. Cultivating the prayer life that's consistent and life-giving. Number two, you think the thoughts of God. Uh, this is tough because you're being bombarded with thoughts that are coming from every direction, and 99% of them are not godly thoughts. Where can you find the thoughts of God at, church? Uh, in His Word. And this means that uh, whenever you come across something that's not consistent with the Word of God, whose job is it to cast it down? There's, there's, there's no, you know, you know, in Batman, there's like a bat signal you can send up when there's trouble. Uh, when it comes to you uh, renewing your mind, when it comes to you thinking the thoughts of God, you have to know when something's coming across your path that is not scriptural. And to do that, you have to know what the Word of God is. So you shove out the thing that's unscriptural and you meditate on the thing that is scriptural. And by doing so, you're thinking the thoughts of God. Um, there are some really wacky stuff going out there in this world. I mean, there are people that aren't even pretending to stick to the Word of God anymore in terms of preaching. In the past week, I saw one video where a person actually denied that uh, Jesus is the only way, denied that there is even a resurrection, denied that even Jesus actually came to forgive us of our sins. Despite the clear teaching of Scripture and despite what history has taught us, Jesus did not come as a military ruler to overthrow the Romans. 
But this is what's being preached today. It opens up the door for all kinds of ideas and concepts that are contrary to what the Word of God teaches. You say, well, this stuff will never get into me. It won't happen to me. I can give you a list of people as long as my arm. Some of these people sat where you are right now and buying into the worst, most devilish lies that are out there. Why? Because they did not understand the value of keeping their own minds renewed and thinking the thoughts of God. Don't play around with this stuff. Just like sin, ungodly thoughts will take you a lot further down the wrong road than you think that they will. And sometimes you won't be able to escape them. Amen? Hallelujah. You think the thoughts of God. Say it with me. I think the thoughts of God and cast down everything that contradicts the thoughts of God. Number three, you are broken and contrite. In other words, you keep a soft, pliable, teachable spirit about you. So I'm teachable, correctable, pliable. And I mean, you are teachable and correctable without getting mad. When you still have that, I'm put out because somebody corrected me, then you're not teachable. Well, it's getting quiet tonight. I think I found a place to dwell for a little while here and just camp out. <laughs> Confess it boldly. I am teachable. I am correctable. Do you know that correction is good? It's going to release more of God's favor in our lives. It's going to keep us safe. The church has gotten real bashful about calling right and wrong. And there is right and wrong. Amen. And just because things have seeped into the church and people have begun to accept these things does not mean they are right. Well, our allegiance has to be to what God says. And uh, so here's what's happened is, um, you know, people start getting into things that are not appropriate. They start crossing lines, you know, and it's really easy to, to look at the LGBTQ community and say, well, that's ungodly without focusing on the fornication going on in the church. Well, we're okay. We love God. It's all right. Everybody does it. No, it's not okay. And here's the deal. That if these things, if we stretch the parameters of what is purity in the church as leaders, and then we don't say anything, there's no bulwark against that. That's it. No one is going to buy into the reality and the truth if people stop communicating that truth. It is not love for people not to tell you the truth. I'm going to say it is not love. When people do not tell you the truth. Let me say it again. It is not love. Love does not sit there and let people go down a path that's going to destroy their lives and say, well, it's not my business, not my war. It's, we already learned this, didn't we, church? It's everybody's business. Let us. Come on, say it. It was the let us sermon. Yes, let us sermon. And it's all of our job. But when you do this and people you know, rear up at you, what does that tell you? They're not teachable. <laughs> I did a series on the Ten Commandments in Hopkinsville one time. I told you this story, and I got onto adultery. In the middle of my message on adultery, a gentleman in his 50s, 60s walked up in a huff, walked out in a huff, slammed the door. And I just told the church, you know, when the pastor's preaching on adultery, probably a good idea not to get up <laughs> and, and identify yourself. <laughs> just wait until the sermon's over. While it's going on, to say, amen, praise the Lord, yes, sir, preach it good, and then just slip out quietly. <laughs> but don't stand up and become an illustration. <laughs> talking about me, I'm out of here. <laughs> no, we need to be sensitive. Cor say, correction, correction is good. good. Number four, you're a word person. You've made the word first place in the final authority. You don't care. Who's contradicting the word? You don't care what they say. You found what the word says on a matter, and you're going to stick to what the word of God says. The Bible says that by his stripes we were healed. Amen. Any voice, any word, any doctrine, any theologian, any experience that contradicts that, we reject it. Right. And we stick to what the word of God says. Can I have an amen? amen. The Bible says it's God's will that all be saved. Yes. Any voice, any word, any theology, any church, any doctrine that contradicts that, we throw it away. Why? Because we're sticking to the word of God. First place and what? final authority. Somebody tells you there's more than ways to heaven, well, we reject that. Why? Because the Word says there is what? what? One way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through Him. You know, that's really simple, isn't it? It's clear. The clarity is not an issue. Whether we believe it or not is the issue. Right now, we're told by all kinds of voices, well, that's narrow-minded, you know, bigoted, 
and in, in fact racist in their opinion. Well, they can have their opinion, but it didn't change the Word of God. Say this to me, the world's opinion, the opinion of religion does not change the truth. Now you need to be that dogged and determined about the Word of God. Once you discover what the Word says on the matter, you shall not be, you shall not be moved. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich, and he has no sorrow to it. Amen. You have a, an absolute biblical right to believe God to take care of you. And the environment doesn't matter. What's going on doesn't matter. If you think what's going on in the world is wacky right now, wait a few more years. It is not going to increase in wisdom. Amen. Your job is to look through things through the lens of the Word of God. And there's where you'll have your peace. That's where you'll have your victory. Say it, first place. And final authority. I'd like for the Holy Ghost just to just to sear this in your conscience just tonight. Say it's the first place I go to for counsel, and it's the final authority. Once the word speaks to it, there's no poll. What do you think? What's your doctrine? What's your opinion? What does that book say? It's irrelevant because the book already spoke on that matter. That's when they get really serious about walking in the, the power of God and receiving the promises of God. Because it gets you to a place where people can't talk you out of it. Mm -hmm. That's right. Amen. You can't be talked out of it. I'll give you an example. How many know that you're born again? Amen. And how many of all that are born again know you're going to heaven one day? Yes. How, how deep is that conviction? It's deep. I'll tell you why it's deep. Because you've heard it and you've heard it and you've heard it and you've heard it and you've heard it. And the devil couldn't beat it out of you with a baseball bat. That's the way you need to be about every matter in the Word of God. That's right. That convinced. Yes. That sure. Yes. Say, well, I can't be sure about these other things like that. Where did you get your surety in the first place about your salvation? It, because of what the Word of God says. Mm -hmm. That same conviction about all these other matters is needed. That's what word people do. And, you know, you'll get criticized and made fun of, you know, called fundamentalists and, and radical, those word people, those faith people. Say it with me, they're all compliments. Just smile and say, thank you for recognizing that I made a decision to make the Word of God first place and final authority in my life. I'm glad you can see that. Praise the Lord. Amen? <laughs> Amen. You can tell I like this topic. <laughs> Moving right along. You are spiritually thirsty. And not just, you know, a day or a week or whatever, but you're consistently thirsty you come to the waters, you drink like the deer, you pant. Amen. As Jesus said, if any man thirsts, let him come. And Jesus wasn't talking about coming once. No. Keep coming because there's more there. When you're not thirsty, when you're not hungry, and it's evidenced in your behavior and your habits and your, your, your approach to the things of God and your relationship with church and your own Bible and your own you know, devotional life, you, know, you need to maintain a thirst. If you're going to have victory in this life, a renewed heart is going to be thirsty. How many ever been really, really thirsty? I mean, really thirsty. Maybe as a kid, you're playing out in the sun, and just you just long to have something to drink. I remember one time I was in Savannah as an associate pastor, and all the young married men decided they're going out dove hunting, and it was like 120 degrees in the shade. And in Savannah, it's 100% humidity, and they have sand gnats, and they bite, and they seem to be everywhere. I don't know. I don't know why Sherman decided not to burn that place to the ground. <laughs> he gave it as a gift to Lincoln. But anyway, it's a beautiful place if you're ever down there. And so we're out there in these fields, and I'm telling you, it's like 108 degrees plus the humidity. And I noticed these guys that I was going with, they didn't carry like a little canteen or a little bottle of water. They each carried several gallon jugs of water. And I'm like, I didn't get the memo here. They know something. <laughs> about their particular part of the country that I don't know. It wasn't long before I was just sitting in the shade waiting for them to get done shooting. Amen? <laughs> it didn't matter anyway, because every time I, I raised up my shotgun to shoot, I missed. I'm serious. The doves would fly by and go, <laughs> and I would just shoot, and I'd miss again. About two, three hours later, I could hardly even hold the gun up, because I was what? I was gone. I was parched. You, go, you let yourself stay thirsty long enough, and it begins to debilitate your ability to function spiritually. Do it long enough and you won't even want it anymore. Now you're nearing death. Are you hearing me? Uh, you want to make sure you stay thirsty. Glory to God. Number six, you're honest and walk in integrity. If you have a problem with the truth, you have a problem being truthful, you have a problem dealing with your affairs with integrity, uh, 
There's nothing wrong spiritually. The heart is not renewed. A renewed heart is going to always want to be honest, always walk in integrity, always handle their affairs and their business affairs with integrity. Can I have an amen tonight? Amen. Uh, it means pay your taxes. Yes. Amen. I don't agree what they do with the tax money. Well, that's, that's a given. Anybody here ever find something the government does with the tax money that you don't like? Of course. Uh, that's not the point. Give Caesar what is Caesar's. And uh, I know one man, he's, he went on to be with the Lord now. He said, are you sure that he's with the Lord? Yeah, I believe he's with the Lord. <laughs> but uh, I mean, he hadn't paid taxes for 15, 20 years out of, out of protests. And it's just the grace of God that they never you know, got a hold of him and nailed him. Was, is it Christ honoring? No. It's not Christ honoring not to pay your taxes. Amen. And that's the bigger picture. It's not about obeying the government. It's about obeying who? Amen. Praise the Lord. It's almost as quiet on this subject as it was on the other one. So. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'll give some of y'all a good name of a tax attorney when I get down to that. No. <laughs> Leave it alone. Number seven, you're zealous for God and His work. Your life's priority is the gospel and the spreading of that gospel. You're not indifferent to the cause. You see what's going on around you and you want to do something about that. In other words, a lack of zeal and passion and fire indicates that your heart's not right. Uh, you should want to be there. You should want to engage. You should want to serve. You should want to be part of the solution to this big problem that we have out there. And, uh, you know, if you think that what we're dealing with in this nation is a political issue or the weaponization of the IRS, which it has been, amen, or the corruption of the FBI, which it has been, there's no question about that. The bigger picture is a spiritual war going on behind the scenes. And if you fight this thing in the natural, you're going to lose right here tonight. So what you do is you keep your zeal for the Lord. Amen. Speak the truth in love and get everybody we can saved. Amen. You know, you get somebody saved and all of a sudden it's going to solve a lot of problems. Regardless of what gate they operate in and whatever their influence is, is going to change how they conduct themselves in that gate if they're born again and preferably born again and spirit filled. That is interesting what God's doing, what God is doing. Um, you know, Tim Scott, who's a senator from South Carolina, has entered the presidential race, and he's, uh, he's your brother. He's born again, spirit-filled, goes to a spirit-filled church. Hey, I know that because my brother's on the campaign staff, <laughs> uh, for starters. And he's a good guy. I don't know that he's the one that God has called for this season. I'm just telling you that, that God is raising up some very interesting individuals. And, uh, I mean, he is conservative and, and godly and has a tremendous story of, of hope to share, you know, with the entire nation, um, particularly with the young people of this nation. But uh, that's not where the hope is. America just needs a big old-fashioned dose of the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's right. Send it, Lord. Send it, Lord. No, you got this all backwards. He sent you. Let me try this again. When the Ephesians needed the Holy Ghost, did God come down in the cloud? No, they sent what? They sent men of God down there to minister to them. Look at somebody and say, he's not sending the cloud. He's sending me. Does that make sense? You are not the mediator. We don't need one. We have a mediator. Amen, Jesus Christ. But you are, in fact, an agent of the gospel. Uh, when God wanted Saul to become Paul and wanted him physically healed and baptized in the Holy Ghost, he did not send a pillar of fire. He sent a who? He sent an Ananias. Look at your neighbor and say, you are Ananias. That's the key. And if, you're, if your focus is, oh, Lord, send the power just now, the truth is the power is going to be sent through you. Look carefully at the New Testament and see how many times a cloud or a pillar of fire showed up. It's silent in this holy church tonight. How many times did you see a cloud or a pillar show up in the New Testament? No, but you see a man or a woman of God show up, not just in Scripture, but in contemporary times, right? And they carry the weight and the force and the power of God. That's what we're talking about. You have a zeal and a passion for the things of God. How many of you really want the Lord to use you? How many are praying the Lord will use you? He will. You'll have divine appointments and connections and amazing things will happen. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's people who just step out and let God do something with them. They're the ones with all the testimonies and the stories. How many like to have more stories to tell? Amen. Be more available. Amen. 
be more available to do the things that God tells you to do when he tells you to do them. So when you have a renewed heart, you're going to want to be involved in this gospel message and the transference of whatever God has to help people in this plan. And, you know, you're particularly positioned for this because you're born again, you're spirit-filled, and you're word people. Amen. Say it, I'm born again. I'm spirit-filled, and I'm a word person, which means to whom much is given, much is required. And how you know we have been blessed. I mean, as it pertains just to the simple message of the new birth, there are entire church organizations in darkness. They don't know, nor do they communicate the new birth. You have the new birth. There's an entire section of the body of Christ that rejects the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but you don't reject the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You accept the things of the Spirit, and you welcome and celebrate the present-day ministry of the Holy Ghost. You have found out that the Word of God in your heart coming out of your mouth is creative power. You have been given much. We just need to use the things we've been given and not be ashamed or embarrassed by it. Could I have an amen tonight? Number eight, uh, you're childlike in your faith. You believe that your God can do anything. Amen. And you're not ashamed to ask Him. Say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation. All things are possible to him that believes. All things are possible with God. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. Come on, shout that out. All things are possible with God. Say, all things are possible to him who believes. Say, nothing is too hard for the Lord. Amen. You believe that tonight? Yes. That's what you do. You approach this with childlike faith. If he says something, you believe it, and all the other opinions are irrelevant. You know, when you're a child, uh, they would, you know, they would tell you things. Your know, parents would tell you things. Adults would tell you things, and you would be quick to believe them as you. You know, grow up, you find out some of the things, those things weren't true, and I'm not here to vilify those things, but have you found out that Santa Claus wasn't real? Yeah. <laughs> some of you are like, I don't know, I'm still debating that one. <laughs> but as a child, you were what? You're pure and innocent, and it's easy to write on your heart. And my challenge to you is don't let the things you've been through, the disappointments you've had, don't let the cynicism cause you to be a person where there's no longer a childlike slate to write on. Let the Lord continue to write on your heart the absolute incorruptible truths of His Word because what He says is not a lie. Jesus is not a fairy tale. The Word of God is not just some book written by men and compiled by men. It is a holy thing. And it's true. Amen. And you're seeing things come to pass, literally, right in front of your eyes. The Bible speaks of the great Euphrates drying up. Does anybody know what's happened to the Euphrates? Now watch this. If you are paying attention, and you're not, maybe you, you played around with the things of God, but they're not where you are tonight, born again, spirit-filled. And you know what the Bible says, and you know how that is connected to the end times, and that is a precipitator of the end times and the return of the Lord. You would be on your face repenting right now. Just at the sight of that river drying up. Yes. Are you here tonight? And these, these signs are, are multiplying now. It's not that history, archaeology, or science contradicts the Word of God. No, it absolutely backs up the Word of God time and time again. That shouldn't be a shock because the Word came from God. The smartest one of all. There is no historian, there is no scientist who is all-knowing. That's right. But the all-knowing God, amen, preserved this for you and for me, and time and time again. Yes. And just, just keep your eye on what's going on. It's not just the things in this world, you know, nation rising up against nation, and you have, you have, you know, surreptitious things going on, you have backroom deals, and you have darkness going on in high places. You have signs being performed literally every day. You should be encouraged. That trumpet could sound. Did you hear what I just said? The yeah. trumpet call of God yeah. could sound and the dead in Christ are going to rise yeah. first and we which remain will be caught up together with them. Um, it's just not spoken enough and not just publicly to your own hearts. Courage yourself with these things. Amen. Uh, right in front of our eyes, boldly the word of God is being fulfilled. 
And even Christians aren't necessarily paying attention to what's going on. Amen. It's a good time to get right. Amen. If you're here tonight and you're not right, it's a good time. They get right. See, how soon is he coming back? I don't have that time. I don't have that date. But we do know in terms of seasons, I can say boldly it is the season of his return. I cannot tell you what the time of the day it is. But I can tell you, we can see, and Jesus taught that himself. You know, when you see a certain sign in the sky, you know it's going to what? Rain the next day. Or not rain the next day. Amen. And Jesus is perplexed. You can do these things by looking into the sky, but you have no idea the times and seasons you're living in. Look at somebody and say, I do. I do. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. I don't uh, know about man fixing anything, but I know who can fix these problems. That's right. One sovereign king returning to the earth. Amen. Uh, in wisdom and in power, glory to God. Uh, he'll knock a few heads together and fix this thing. Amen. <laughs> this just said to CNN, Jesus returned. We were all wrong. <laughs> um, I, I, I imagine the first thing he's going to do is shut down CNN and Facebook and Twitter. Just shut them down. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Saying, I am childlike in my faith. I'm a what? I'm a believer. Say, I am a believer. I'm a believing believer. What does a believing believer do? They open up the Word of God and they read something. No matter how it makes their mind go tilt, how it contradicts their religion, or you know, causes their, their tradition to flare up, you look at that and go, I'm a believer. Amen. Say it again. Say, I am a believer. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. That is how a childlike faith is preserved and protected, amen, and cultivated, no matter what you go through. Go back to what God said in His Word. Amen? amen. Be like Mary. May it be to me, according to what you have said. Amen? amen. Period. That needs to be your attitude. That's childlike faith. Number nine, you're joyful and peaceful. If you're lacking joy and you're lacking peace in your life any given day, it's an indicator that your heart is not renewed the way it needs to be. Say, so, well, I'm dealing with all kinds of strange people and weird things going on, disappointments and setbacks and pressures and stresses. How can I be joyful and peaceful with all that nonsense going on? Because your joy and your peace doesn't come from a lack of stress. It doesn't come from what people do or don't do. It doesn't come from what they say. It doesn't come from their criticism or from their praise. And one time, the um, Lord spoke to Brother Cope and he said, you know, I don't want you reading what people write about you. Yeah. And he's like, well, Lord, why is that? He said, because if it's positive, you'll get prideful. And if it's negative, it'll defeat you. You stay in my word. Smith Wigglesworth put it like this. Folks, I asked him, how come you never read anything about the Bible? Now, first of all, the man was illiterate most of his life. But he was excited about the Word of God when he got born in a spirit field, and he wouldn't even read a newspaper. And here's what he said. He said, when I read a newspaper, I come out dirtier. He said, when I read the Bible, I come out cleaner. Now, that's as plain as it gets. Ask yourself that question. Whatever you're doing, whatever you're exposing yourself to, when you come out of that thing, not just some kind of reprobate mentality or behavior or, or you know, gratuitous sin of some kind, but just what you expose yourself to, do you come out feeling cleaner? Or do you come out feeling dirtier? And then regulate your own life. I mean, with mentality like that, no, you, know, you can tell why God would use him so powerfully. Does that make sense? Look at somebody and say, cleaner. cleaner. And when you have a mentality like this, it doesn't matter what's going on. Your joy doesn't come from your circumstances. It doesn't come from what's going right or what's going wrong. It doesn't come from how people treat you. It doesn't even come from how many prayers have been answered. That's true. If you reduce your joy and your peace to whether a prayer was answered, you just became a sight-based Christian all over again. You have joy and you have peace whether you see an answer today or not. Amen. Amen. That's right. 
Joy of the Lord is your strength. Peace like a river is, amen, promised to you. And it comes from your direct relationship with the Lord, amen, and the disciplines associated with that relationship. You can be today as joyful as you want to be and as peaceful as you want to be. Well, these people steal my joy. No, people don't steal your joy. You gave it to them. They stole my peace. No, they didn't steal your peace. You gave away your peace. They just don't have that kind of power. How can you say somebody's behavior, attitude, speech, conduct can steal your joy or peace when it was supernaturally derived and given to you by God? That is a lie from the pit of hell. Nobody can steal your peace. You have to give it away by reducing yourself back down to the natural like everybody else. Now, your joy and your peace come from your relationship with the Lord. How many are right with Him tonight? Amen. So you should have joy. Amen. Unspeakable. And what? Full of glory. Peace like a river. He said, My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives unto you. Let not your heart be, let not your heart be troubled is not a grand suggestion. When Jesus speaks, it's what? It is not a fluff. It is a command. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. So what happens is when you're, you're feeling like you're losing your joy and your peace, that is not based on things you're going through. And trust me, I understand where you're coming from because there are some goofy people out there. I mean, sometimes you, you, you think any given day that somebody woke up with an agenda just to come at you. Like their life is completely meaningless. All they were there to do is just to aggravate you. But you know, that's not what determines whether you have peace and joy. It's the practices of the renewed heart of maintaining diligence in these areas. No matter what you see, no matter what you hear, they can't steal your joy. You have to let them do that. What does Jerry Savelle say? If the devil can't steal your joy, he can't keep your goods. Amen. Well, if God would restore things, then I'd have joy. No, if you'll have joy, you'll see restoration come in your life. Amen. Amen. Number 10, can you believe it? Yeah. You have a renewed heart when you are the prophet of your own life. You have raised your words to a level where they matter most, not what people are saying to you, what people are saying about you. You do not relegate yourself to being in defeat and where you have no remedy for things that are going on. What does Proverbs 18.21 say? The tongue. Where is it at? This is a very interesting scripture because it tells us that life and death are literally in the power of the tongue. It tells you that God has literally delegated authority to the human tongue to exercise power in this natural world. As he has authority, he has delegated authority to you. And this is a message you can hear a thousand times. Raise your hand if you ever heard me talk about the power of the tongue, the authority of the church. I mean, I, uh, I pre I, there was a person in this church for years. I moved away since, uh, you know, some time ago. And uh, they came up to me after I just did a series on this. And they said, you know what? I really think you should preach on the authority of the tongue sometime. And I wanted to say... Did they pass out quaaludes to the service today when you came in? Because we've been talking about this. <laughs> A long time. You say, well, what is that all? I'm telling you that the enemy works to blind our understanding and application of this principle. Why? He doesn't want you exercising authority in this earth. Say, my, my mouth is the seat of my authority. It's not just where you take in food or air or whatever the case may be or drink. It's the seat of your authority. It has delegated power. The concept is the very yacht of God, the right hand of God. How many you know the hand of God is powerful? This scripture actually means that he has put the power of his right hand in your mouth. Think about that. Well, you know, this, all this stuff has happened to me and I have nothing to say about it. You have everything to say about it. You know, give me an illustration over in Ezekiel 37 if you'll turn there. Ezekiel 37. Turn to somebody and tell them your words matter. Your words matter. 
I said this many times, but for those who have not been under this teaching long enough to hear it, uh, there are over 80 references in Proverbs alone to the mouth, the tongue, and the lips. I want you to think about that for a moment. Not 80 references to the toes, or the heart, or the mind, or the arms of the mouth. Over 80 references. You think he's trying to, to give you a point there. Yes, what you say matters. In Ezekiel 37, the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out, uh, brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley, and it was full of bones. Look at somebody say, them bones and bones and dry bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Now watch this and see this transition here. How many of you know the Lord could have just spoken, dry bones live? Yes. Does he need man? No. No. Did he desire to use man? Has he sovereignly chosen to use man? Yes. yes. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Now when we're speaking, what are we supposed to be speaking? The word of the Lord. Words that are consistent with the word of God. Some people will look at you and say, well, you're one of those name it, claim it, blab it, and grab it kind of people. No, you're one of those speak it, name it, claim it, blab what God says. Christians. There's the difference. You just don't pull stuff out of the air and decide I'm going to speak this and then God's going to somehow bring it to pass. Your mouth should be centered on what did God say. Watch this. And he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach Tendons to you and uh, make you uh, make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin, and I will put breath in you, and you will come to life, and you will know that I am the Lord. So I, what? Prophesied. I prophesied as I was commanded. Do you know we're still commanded? We are still commanded to speak over our lives, over our wives, over our children, over our spouses, over the ministry, over our nation. And all you hear about the nation right now is how everything's falling apart and everything's terrible. Could you imagine if millions of so-called Christians would start using their mouth to say what God says about the people and say what God says about the nation? Amen. What would happen? And as I was prophesying, there was a noise. A rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. And he said to me, Prophesy to, amen, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say, This is what the sovereign Lord says. What is he doing now? Following his step, what God says. But is God going to say it for him? Oh. No. no. We were raised this way. Adam was created in the garden and given the same kind of authority. Who was the name the animals? Adam. The scholars believe that he didn't just name the animals, but as he breathed out the name, they came to life. The way that God breathed life into him. Who named Eve? Amen. Uh, you see the, the application here. You and I, when our hearts are right, we know that there's a, a connection between the right heart and a right mouth. Yes. Say it with me, a right heart, a right heart. and a right mouth. A right and that's not a surprise because we know from the very inception of our salvation understanding that it's believing in the heart and saying with the mouth. Your dead dry bones came alive yes. when you had faith in your heart and you what? Said it with your mouth. No one else's confession over you of salvation will work. No one can speak for you. You are the prophet of your own life. You can say what the word of God says over your life and see things begin to rattle. Amen. 
things begin to take shape. Breath become, you know, you know, things come back to life because the breath comes back in them. And somebody that has a heart right with God is just settled. You know, I'm not, I'm not fighting over this stuff anymore, and I'm not letting people talk me out of it anymore. We need to renew our minds to who we were created to be. You were made in His image. Ephesians 5.1 tells us to be imitators of God as dear children. Are we imitating Him? Well, how does He do things? Go back to Genesis and see how He does things. He, he said something, amen, then He saw it, and He declared it was good. The carnal Christian will not say something until they see something. Because I don't want to be a liar. As if Speaking God's word is a lie. Let me give you an example. Let me ask you one more time. How many know that you're born again? How many know that you're going to heaven? Now, to the unlearned, that sounds like an unmitigated series of lies. You've never seen him. You've never been there. You have no physical evidence there is a heaven. And yet you say that all the time. And then it's strange if you start calling yourself healed. Yes. I go around calling myself saved. I go around calling myself heaven bound. I'm heaven bound. Say it, I am heaven bound. I'm heaven bound. And that's perfectly fine. When you've never been there. And if you did go there, you wouldn't want to come back. That's right. And if you were sent back, it's because some duty it's not been done yet. But you call yourself heaven bound all the time. And when you sing songs about it, you really get on fire. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You call yourself heaven bound all the time and you don't even flinch. But we tell you to call yourself healed. Oh, I don't know about that. You call yourself blessed. I don't know about that. Call yourself the head. I don't know about that. Call yourself amen more than a, more than a conqueror. I don't know about that. You get to call yourself anything and everything God calls you in his word. Amen. Not just heaven bound. Amen. That's right. Raise your hand again and say, I'm heaven bound. Amen. Boy, when you're right in your heart and your understanding, your mind is renewed, you begin to call yourself more than heaven bound. Because right. the kingdom of God is not just in heaven. Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. Well, how does it manifest? Because we become the prophets of our own life. It's time to shut down the things that people told you when you were growing up. It's time for you to let go of those lies that were told you. It's hard to let go of all those things and cast them to the ground, command them to fall to the ground and to die and to bear no fruit. Amen. You can have what you say if what you're saying it lines up with God's word. Amen. Listen to this from Mark chapter 11 if you want to turn there. This is from the Weymouth translation. Just a very simple word construction here. You know, Jesus had cursed the fig tree. And I want to tell you something. Stop cursing your own life. Because you have power to curse yourself as well. And limit yourself. Don't curse your kids. Bless them. That's pretty weak for a Wednesday night crowd. Don't curse your kids. Bless them. Don't curse your grandkids. Bless them. You don't have to wait until you're about to die to bless your kids. Well, I'm like Jacob. I guess I better start blessing them now because I'm about to leave this life. No, you bless them every single day with your words. You tell them what they can do in Jesus' name. You tell them their head and not the tail, above only not beneath. Amen? You tell them they can have what? Whatever they say. You teach them these things. Teach them to say, I'm, I'm heaven bound. Yes. But go ahead and teach them everything else God says about them too. Yes. Because if heaven bound is true, then the rest of it is true. Does that make sense? Watch this construction in Mark chapter 11, um, verse 30. In the early morning as they passed, they saw the fig tree withered to the roots. And Peter, recollecting, said to him, Look, Rabbi, the fig tree which you cursed is withered up. Jesus said to them, Have faith in God. Have the God kind of faith. He's about to tell them how faith works. Write that in your Bible. Write that in your notes. Jesus is about to reveal. Not some guy in Oklahoma or Texas. Not some Assemblies of God person. Not some preacher. Jesus is about to teach the disciples how faith works. Say it with me. How faith works. I tell you the truth that if anyone shall say to this mountain, 
Arise and hurry yourself into the sea and has no doubt within his heart, but steadfastly believes that what he says will happen, it shall be granted him. Look at, listen to that language again. Steadfastly believes that what he says will happen. Steadfastly believes that what he says will happen. Steadfastly, consistently, every day, not five days I'm healed by Jesus' stripes and then three days, oh dear God, I'm going under. Not ten days of my God shall supply all my needs and then, then bellyache for the next month about how you have nothing. It's too quiet in this here church tonight. Steadfastly. We could do this for a day. I believe I receive. I believe in my heart and I say with my mouth. This is what the word says. I believe I receive. I believe I receive. And you do this, but do you do it steadfastly? If it's not manifested six months from now, are you still saying the same thing you were saying on day one? Or has circumstances pushed you off of your confession? How faith works. He steadfastly believes what he says. We want to believe what God said. But you need to believe the word of God that you put in your mouth will come to pass. Say it with me, steadfastly. Uh, we've done years on the principles of faith. But I just summarized for you in five minutes how faith works. Say it with me, faith in your heart, faith in your mouth but not off and on again. Two days on, three days off, one week on, one week off. I believe, I don't believe, I believe, I don't believe. No, and who is going to monitor the condition of your heart and the words of your mouth? Nobody but you. Amen. Say it, I'm heaven bound. If I ask you that question in two weeks, what are you going to tell me? But have you been there? Have you seen it? Any physical evidence at all? Yeah, no. well, I'm not going to decry. Some people have actually made that visit. Some people have had that kind of a vision. Some have had that visitation. I'm not one of those people. But if I ask you a year from now and you're still here and we're all still here, what are you going to tell me? Are you heaven bound? Yes. Say, I'm heaven bound. I'm heaven bound. That's the kind of consistency you need to have with every other area in the Word of God. If we were to ask you today, tomorrow, five weeks from now, ten years from now, should Jesus tarry, your mouth is still the same thing. That's what it means here by being the prophet of your own life. Because if you don't become the prophet of your own life, and that does not mean you get to make things up and say them. You get to find out what God said and say them. That's what it means. A prophet doesn't speak on his own behalf. A prophet speaks on behalf of God. That also means that if you're saying things that aren't true, knock it off. You're not lying by saying, by his stripes I am healed. You are lying when you contradict the word of God with your mouth. That's the lie. Amen. Say it, I'm the prophet of my own life. Um, it's time to fire everybody else. Speaking nonsense on your life. Say it, I cast the ground. I command those words to fall to the ground and to die and to bear no fruit. In Jesus' name. I am saved. I'm heaven bound. I'm spirit filled. I'm the healed of God. I'm the blessed of God. I'm anointed of God. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, do you notice something stirring on the inside of you as you say what God says? Just keep doing it. Amen. Next, I'm constant and consistent in my walk with God. You're just like Caleb, he had a different spirit. The Bible says that he was wholehearted. Numbers chapter 14, verse 24. We know it's not one day or two days, it's consistency. Gloria said very powerfully, it's in your consistency that lies the power. How many like to see more power operating in your life? Be consistent, be constant. Not flashy, not showy, not drawing attention to yourself but just quietly consistent in the things of God and watch what will happen. I've watched in the years that if people just hang in there, God will do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask, think, or imagine according to His what? His power that works and operates in us 
and through us. And I don't have a particular year or day, but I've noticed that people will keep doing what God's told them to do 10, 12, 14, 15, 16 years. Something kicks in. Turn to somebody and tell them something kicks in. And now all of a sudden you're seeing blessings on every wave. You're seeing God do things that are just into the human mind incomprehensible. But what is underneath that, time is irrelevant. Whether it's five years, 10 years, two years, 15 years, what is the, the constant there is that they are consistent in their application of the things of God. And I, I'm not seeing an exception yet. Now, I have one person just kind of snide and say, well, I've never seen anybody yet prosper through this ministry. And I just have a whole list of names to tell them. You know, people left and right who grabbed these things and they've never been the same. The problem is you, you and I can't play with these things and go to the highest level. We've got to be diligent about these things. Amen. And some people are, they, they run with it. Uh, so you can say these, you know, the word of God doesn't work. You can get your mouth corrected. Amen. Start prophesying correctly and be constant in the things of God, constant in your walk with God, constant in prayer, constant in the word, constant in the things that you actually say. Uh, a person talks like that. All they're saying is, well, you know, it, I, it didn't work for me. I didn't see any results from it. Well, um, you know, if you don't uh, put the gas in the car and, and turn the ignition on, you're going nowhere. Right. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a beautiful car sitting out in the parking lot. And then sit out there in the driver's seat, Christian after Christian walks by, hey, that's a nice car. How's it drive? I don't know. I've never gone anywhere with it. And you just sit there. Because you don't do what the basics that are required to get that thing down the road. Now you can say, oh, this car doesn't work for me. It works. You have to do the basics to make the thing go. Look at somebody and say, gas in the engine. Turn the engine on. Amen. Get it out of neutral or park. Put your little foot on the accelerator. Says, I am. It's a miracle. Yeah. People say, well, I tried that faith stuff and it didn't work. No, what happened was faith tried you and you didn't work. Whenever you find somebody disparaging the Father, the Word of God, the things of God, you know what their problem is. Their mouth is already revealing what the real problem is. Look at somebody and say, it does work. You say, well, I want it on my timetable. Just hang in there and watch and see. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I've seen people get excited about the things of God for three or four weeks. I mean, they're on fire for God. Next thing you know, you don't see them anymore. Man, it's like the Grim Reaper got a hold of them. I mean, one of them, they're on fire for God. The next minute, they just disappear. They wonder why things don't work out for them. Yeah. Uh, no. Being faith person means being faithful. Say so that I am constant and diligent. How I many know that it wasn't Caleb's fault that they had a 40-year delay? Right. Was that his fault? No. no, it seems to me that Joshua and Caleb handled the situation correctly. It seems to me that when they spoke a bunch of doubt, fear, and unbelief and spread an evil report among the camp, it was Caleb that told them to shut up. Did they listen to him? No. no. But he still got in on the delay. Watch this. So he could go around for four years and say, this faith stuff doesn't work. I serve God. I was the one that came back with a positive report. Look what happened to me. No, when they finally get into where they're headed, amen, Caleb says, I'm going to go take my mountain now. Amen. Nothing changed. Do you see him saying to you? Not one aspect of his faith diminished, and it wasn't even his fault. Here's the 401 for some of you out here. Here's a revelation for you. There are often delays that aren't your fault. But if you quit, that is your fault. You think that, that it's just you and God and there's no other factors here? No, there, there are enemies of your soul. There's demonic activity. There are people who are trying to get in your way. But I'm going to say this boldly to you tonight. Some of y'all need to receive this and take it home, write it down. Listen to me. If you walk with God, favor is going to come. Amen. I said favor is going to come. Now here's the kick, because you can't control this. It doesn't always come from where it should come. And it doesn't always, always come when you think it should come. But it will always come. I said it will always come. You may have been delayed because of the mouths and attitudes of other people. It was, their, it was 10 spies where their mouth kept the entire people out of their promise. But there's one man who was, the Bible says he had a different spirit. He is wholehearted towards me. And 40 years later, he's still singing the same tune. Yeah. 
He's not, they kept me out, I'm mad, I'm bitter, I'm upset, I can't believe these people. Well, why be bitter? They got all wiped out anyway. But there he was after 40 years. Some of you have known what it's like, and I'm talking to you prophetically. You have been delayed. You've been frustrated. You've been pushed back. You've been held back, not because you're a terrible sinner and a horrible person, but because of some of the choices and behaviors of things other people have done. You are not going to be delayed forever. Favor's coming. I said the favor is coming. You just, you just hang in there. You'll find out one way or another, God will push that kind of influence away. He knows how to replace people. He knows how to fire people. He knows how to remove people. You say, well, there's an ordinary person in my way, and all I do is obstruct me. Listen, just hang in and stay on the Word of God, and let God take care of it. Say, favor always comes for the faithful. Say, it may not come from where it should come from or where I think it should come from. Or when it should come. But it's going to come. I see favor landed on the people in this church left and right. I said the favor of God has landed on you in Jesus' name. And no one can stop that in the end. Amen. Do a search of scriptures and you'll see there's a lot of obstruction to the people of God. Sometimes self-inflicted. Sometimes from opposition on the outside. But did God get it done? That's right. He's going to get done here. He's going to wrap this thing up. He's returning to this earth. He's going to take his rightful throne. And you and I are going to be right there with him. Amen. For all eternity. We're on the right side of this thing. Hallelujah. Say it. I'm consistent. I'm constant. Favor's headed my way. Number 12. Are y'all still counting? Normally if I go past five or six, I lose count here. So, okay. You are loving and kind. If your heart is right, you're forgiving, you're forbearing, you're tender-hearted. Scriptures are, are many about this. We are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And what? Our neighbor is ourself. The Bible tells us on this, all the law and the prophets hang, all the promises of God hang on your love walk. The refusal to walk in love and forgiveness indicates the heart is not right. Talking about others like you're in a junior high playground means your heart's not right. Amen. Look at somebody and say, keep other people out of your mouth and let's us to bless them. You will find that a refusal to love and walk in forgiveness is one of the immediate and greatest indicators that your heart is not renewed. Now, you may tell yourself you're renewed. You may con yourself and think, well, I'm just fine. These people did something to me, and I'm mad about that. You know, in, in years now, I think I, I started full-time as a senior pastor in 1990, so I've been in this a while. And every once in a while, you go through things where you just, you just really, you know, you don't want to be all that sanctified. Um, <laughs> hey, man, look here, there's still flesh here. And there's one particular situation, one particular individual through the years that I dealt with. And um, I'm just like, Lord, just, just, you know, and it's not like the person lives on the other side of the planet. They live in this town. And I'm like, Lord, just give me five minutes. Give me five minutes. <laughs> I want five minutes with them. I want to tell them what I really think. I want to tell them what they really did. I want to, I want to hope bring some accountability there. And, uh, you know, after many, many years, say many, many years, Say, many, many years, I began to ask the Lord, I said, uh, why are you protecting that person? And you know what he said? He said, I'm not protecting that person. I'm protecting you. <laughs> because you're going to slip into some things, mouth and heart, that are not productive for you. Well, now I don't care if I see him again or not. And you're all looking at me so holy. You got people just like that in your life. Just give me five minutes. You know what you need to do? Is you need to roll out over on the Lord. Amen. And walk in love and walk in forgiveness because you can't do anything about what people do or say about you. But you have everything to say about how you respond. 
Be careful asking the Lord a question because He will answer you. He wasn't protecting this person from me. He was protecting me from me. <laughs> and He's doing the same thing for you. I was like, uh, you were telling me about, uh, about your daughter. Have you ever written out a, you know, a, you know, a tweet or whatever it is or a Facebook post and then deleted the whole thing before you sent it? Guilty. Amen. Aren't you glad you didn't send it? Yep. Was it therapeutic though writing that? Yep. Maybe for a second. <laughs> but here's the problem. It doesn't matter if you deleted it from Facebook or deleted it from Twitter. Have you deleted it from your heart yet? That's the key. We're talking about the renewed heart is loving and kind. Amen. At the end of the day, the things you might go through and put up with and deal with, they're not worth your anointing. They're not worth your call. They're not worth your prosperity. They're not worth your soundness of mind. Amen. You know, well, that kind of thing, people can still, you know, ultimately affect your health because of things like that. No. Turn to somebody and say, just let them go. Just love them. They, they do weird things. Say what people are going to do. What people are going to do. Amen. My sister says, God is good. People are crazy. And there's a lot of truth to that. Say, God is good. The important thing is for you not to be the crazy one. That's right. Turn somebody and tell them, hang up your crazy shoes and get on with it. And last, you're a servant-minded. Any heart that is right with God is going to want to serve. Jesus didn't come, what, to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Peter tells us whatever our gifts, we're supposed to be inserting those gifts. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all for what? Do it all for the glory of God. Amen. Do it all in his name. And uh, if you uh, have this idea, it's about me mentality, then you miss the whole point. And it's not about uh, your favorite music. It's not about what you want every time you walk into the building. It's not about what temperature the building is. Right, Ruth? No. <laughs> I just keep wrapping up more. <laughs> Passing out some anointed blankets up here because there are certain places... Certain places in this building that are, that are hot spots. And what's your perspective? I wish they'd turn on the air conditioner and over here she's got blue lips. <laughs> Come on, say, it's not about me. When you're doing your ministry, it's not about you. It's not about what you feel. It's just like you are already saved. You're on your way to heaven. It's about taking all the people we can with us. Amen. And the heart that is right is going to be servant-minded. Finding something to do. God never designed for you just to attend services and then live your life and die one day, have a nice funeral, and go home to be with Jesus, and that's the end of it. No, He wants you to be a servant wherever you are. Everybody can do something. It's fancy. Ministry is a really fancy word, ecclesiastical kind of word, you know. Deep and holy word. You know what it means? Service rendered in the name of the Lord. Oh, I want to be in the ministry. I want to be in the ministry. And their mind is, they want to be seen, they want to platform, they want to preach, they want to this, they want to that. They don't see everything that goes on behind the scenes that turns that seemingly, you know, you know, powerful thing and positive thing. You put some reality to it real, real quickly. And Catherine Kuhlman used to say this all the time. People see the power, they see the miracles. This is a woman that, when she would arrive in, in a certain airport, they would take her through a back door. You say, why would they do that? Because if she walked through the corridors of the airport, people would fall out under the power. It happened routinely. So imagine this. They're going to escort her so this, there's not a ruckus in the airport every time she comes in. And she would say, you see this. You see the miracles. You see the platform. You see what you see is glory. But you don't know the price that's been paid for that. That's right. You don't know the hell that was unleashed against her mind, against her family, against her heritage. You have no idea the price that's paid for stuff like that. You want a minister? Just serve. He'll promote people who are what? Who are serving. He'll advance people who are doing what in their opinion is just a, a menial chore. There's no such thing in the kingdom of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? 
The floor sweeper in heaven, amen, is just as important as the one who's teaching the seminar tonight, whatever that is in heaven. There's seminars in heaven. You mean we have to go to church in heaven? You get to go to church in heaven. Could you imagine the depth, amen? Teaching tonight on spirit-filled worship, King David. Would that be something? Clothing optional. <laughs> he danced, amen, with very little dignity before the Lord. Tomorrow, Peter, from cussing to preaching. I mean, the characters that are already there. And we haven't even gotten to your family yet. <laughs> I mean, you know, that, that means there's a lot of characters up there. So just do what? Let the Lord find you while you're doing what you think is insignificant and let him promote you to where he wants you to be. But everybody should be and can be doing service rendered in what? If you're doing something in his name, it is ministry. Say it will be, if I'm doing something for him, it's ministry. That's how you define ministry. Did you get something out of this today? Yes. Amen. Give him a hand clap and thank him for it.